0: me ask you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 18. What would that mean to be a debtor to mercy? Well, there's an application in that, and we're going to look at application today to uh, this part of uh, the Beatitudes, which actually are in Matthew 5, but I want us to See this parable that I believe illustrates the overall application of, uh, of mercy for us, showing mercy to others, and the issues that surround that in Matthew 18. We begin with verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle One was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold, and his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to the master of all that had taken place. Then the master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt, and uh, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Let's bow together. Lord, we do ask that this day, as we consider the great mercy that we have received, that we did not and could not deserve. That you would help us to see how that applies in our life, what it means, where we need to pay attention to what you were teaching, what your spirit impresses upon us, and then Lord, will you empower us to be obedient, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Now let's uh, start out by talking about the the term mercy itself. Um, that particular word in that particular form is used only one other place in the New Testament. Now there are other forms uh, where it is used, but in this particular form. So... The right thing to do when you're making a study of a word, if it's used elsewhere, is to go elsewhere and see how it's used, and then to see how that compares. Well, if we do that, if we go to the one other place that it's used, it's in Hebrews 2.17, I'll just read it to you and ask yourself, who's it talking about? It's going to be rather obvious. Therefore, He had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of his people. It's Jesus, of course. So the the very first thing that we can know is that uh, in terms of... If we want to know what mercy looks like, we look at Jesus. Now, that's no big secret. We can say that about all of the Beatitudes, because he is going to encapsulate perfection in all of those things that he calls us to. But particularly, we have got to come back to this again and again, and remember the mercy that we've been shown when we are then called to show mercy to others. Let me give you a couple of definitions. Uh, uh, And I I saw a lot of different definitions from different commentators and theologians in terms of mercy. These are are my two favorites. Lloyd-Jones says that a merciful spirit means the spirit that is displayed when you suddenly find yourself in the position of having in your power someone who has transgressed against you. Get it? It's when you are uh, uh, in power over someone who has sinned against you, and you find yourself in that position, and then the more important part is that you don't exert your rights at that point. In other words, you don't say, okay, you've transgressed against me, and I'm going to carry out justice for you. When you deliberately decide, you've transgressed against me, I'm in a position to do something about it, but instead of being legal here, I'm not going to carry it out. That's a merciful spirit. I also like Ferguson's uh, view that being merciful is to relieve the consequences of sin in the lives of others, both in sinners and those who were sinned against. To relieve the consequences of sin. And you could look, for instance, at uh, uh, the Good Samaritan which is a, a place in the New Testament where we see a, a record of um, you know, real mercy being shown. Because what happened? What did he do? Well, he took care of the, the one who had been hurt. He didn't seek justice for him. He didn't go after the robbers. He didn't say, okay, I will get revenge for you. I will get justice. I'll see that they are arrested or anything like that. relieved the consequences of the sin that had hurt this person. Physically, emotionally, he took care of him. He restored him. He showed mercy. Now, here's, here's an issue. As we read this, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. There is a temptation with that verse, and with parallel type verses about forgiveness. For instance, uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And right after that, Jesus said, "For, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now those seem to be pretty obvious, that whether we are forgiven or shown mercy is contingent on whether we forgive or show mercy to others. Here's the problem with that. While there's truth in that, we need to be careful not to think that showing mercy to somebody earns us mercy or or forgiving someone earns us forgiveness that's works that's legalism if we are to think that there is something we can do to deserve mercy three reasons if i earned it then it wouldn't be mercy It would be wages. It would be what I deserve. So it it would uh, cut into the very nature of mercy. If I deserved it because of keeping my end of the deal, then there wouldn't be any grace involved getting that which I don't deserve. And that would be contrary to all of the teachings that we see elsewhere in the New Testament and the Old Testament in terms of receiving that which we don't deserve. And if forgiveness and mercy depended on how well I carry it out, none of us would receive mercy or forgiveness. None of us would see heaven. If it depended upon how merciful or forgiving I am. Well then, what does that mean? He doesn't mean that it is the cause of our receiving mercy or that we have earned it. But instead, being merciful is the natural result of receiving Christ and experiencing the grace of God that we then, because we have received it, pass on to others. If we're not merciful, then we cannot think that we have actually grasped that we have received mercy. If we are unforgiving of others, how can we imply, but we understand how much we've been forgiven. I want us to to look at this and uh, see an application, and I, I, want us, I, I want to use what I think is the most common application of mercy that we can show towards others, and that is forgiveness. I've already showed you the parallels in terms of verses and uh, so on. I, I think a, a lot of times when we think of, of showing mercy, we may think of, well I'm, I, you know when I go to downtown. Columbia, and I see somebody who's begging for money, am I going to show them mercy or not? What am I going to do? How am I going to help? And, and I don't deny that that's one of the applications, but I don't want us to have it that narrow, because the area of forgiveness is, is so much in all of our lives, where we've got to deal with it, we've got to cope with it, uh, we've got to practice it, that I want us to use that as uh, the, the illustration of what he's talking about here. Now, I gave you this parable earlier uh, from Jesus. Uh, in terms of the context of the parable, we got good old Peter, and you got to love Peter. Um, you know, here he, he has a conversation starter. Forgiveness, okay. Peter... I'm quite sure, thinking he was going to show how forgiving he was, says to Jesus, So, uh, how many times should I forgive? Seven times? You know, I think probably in his mind to forgive somebody once was a big deal, to do it twice, three times is really overboard. So I'm going to go way, way out there on a limb. Should I forgive somebody seven times? And Jesus, again, gives Peter an answer he's not expecting. Seventy. Seven times seventy. And then he goes into the parable. Now, in this parable, uh, I'll read again verse 24. It says, when he began to, uh, to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, probably that just means the largest debt conceivable. I, I saw some very interesting figures of people that had taken uh, what a talent was, uh, in that day, my, in fact, in my Bible, the, the footnote says a talent was a monetary unit worth about 20 years' wages for a laborer, 20 years' wages. So 10,000 would be 200,000 years' worth of wages. And then I saw some go ahead and figure out how much money that would be and, and all of that. And in other words, Jesus' point here... And we don't want to miss that by these amazing details that he's given. But his point is, it was a debt that couldn't have been paid back. It was trillions and trillions. Well, that's depressing when we think about our. (laughs) But a personal debt for that. Let's put it that way. And that's what it was he said, you're, you're in trouble until you pay it back. Well, the point is he couldn't have paid it back. Possibly. He couldn't have possibly done that. And so he pleads, be patient with me. I'll pay you back. And he's, forgi- he's given, shown mercy and forgiven the debt. And then he turns right around. Someone owes him uh, the denarii. Now, a 100 denarii apparently... Uh, a denarius was about a day's wages. So a hundred days of wages versus 200,000 years worth of wages. Something that could potentially be paid back. He said, I'm going to put you in prison until you pay it back. How are you going to pay from prison? So he was going to put him in an impossible situation. That one who had been shown so much mercy. Now, any one of us who is fair-minded should look at that and say, well, that's ridiculous. How could he possibly, when, when he had been forgiven that huge debt that he never could have paid back, how could he possibly not show mercy on that other one? And Jesus would say, that's my point. That's exactly my point. If you are counting how many times you have to forgive somebody until you've fulfilled forgiveness, then you're missing the point, is what Jesus is saying. You're just being a legalist. You're just trying to do the bare minimum to earn your way to God. And Jesus is saying... No, that's not how God works. You mustn't treat one another that way. Now, imagine for a moment, you're a follower of Jesus. You're living at this time when Jesus lived. You hear his teachings, his parables about mercy and forgiveness and judgment, and sin, and love. You saw his ways. You heard him at the last Passover say, this is my body which is for you. This is my blood given for you. And then you see him arrested and you see him uh, being tortured, and then on the cross, and from the cross, you see him say, Father, I want you to forgive them, show mercy on them. They don't know what they're doing, and you see his holiness. and how incredibly ugly your own sin is. And then, in the course of life, you get offended by somebody. They make an unkind comment, maybe an unthinking comment to you, and you hold a grudge. You don't deal with it. And it becomes a bitterness in your heart because you won't. How sad would that be to be there with Jesus? And yet, what about us in our lives? Forgive us our debts. We forgive our debtors. We pray. Jesus, teaching us how to pray, told us to say that. Ephesians 4:32 Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Paul, in reminding us and all believers, To forgive connects it exactly the way Jesus did with the fact that we've been forgiven. We've been shown mercy as God in Christ forgave you. James Boyce says, The only sure proof of a person having received God's forgiveness through uh, truth Faith in Jesus is a transformed heart and a changed life. This is displayed in your willingness to forgive others. Now, you probably don't know this about me. Some of you do. But I've been known to lose things from time to time. Uh, Sometimes I would lose keys inside of locked cars. Sometimes locked running cars. All of my children have stories about uh, things that have happened in our life due to me forgetting or losing my keys. I recently lost all my keys... And I don't think they're going to trust me here at the church with a full set again because of that. Uh, My children, when we were in Atlanta, were convinced that the people at AAA knew me by my first name when I would call. Oh, hi, Dale. Yeah, we'll be right over. Now, I'm not proud of that. uh, And uh, unfortunately, I've passed that to some degree, onto uh, some of my children, some more than others, and we're not going to name any names of my children in that way. But you know what it's done? Here's what it's done. It's made me a very forgiving father. <laughs> not because I'm naturally forgiving, but because I know that I've been forgiven a number of times for uh, inconveniences after a concert, us being the last car in the parking lot and that kind of a thing, and, and my children and, and wife forgiving me. And so when it's happened to them, I'm very forgiving. That's what it's talking about here, only to a much greater degree. Now, Let me be um, crystal clear on this. Losing your keys is not a sin. (laughs) Just want to make that clear. But there are parallels. Because we have been forgiven so much is the reason that we ought to be so forgiving of other people. Our incentive to show mercy and forgive is recognizing how much we've been forgiven. Now, in the worship guide, you have an outline there, and I I put a prayer in there. And in that prayer, and, and I hope you are not, and maybe you're not currently struggling with forgiving someone else. Sometimes it's forgiving ourselves. Sometimes it's forgiving God. And I don't want you necessarily to write anything in that blank, but, I, but if you are struggling, think about this. Lord, I'm struggling with forgiveness of blank. I know that as a forgiven child of God, forgiveness is a right act of my will. Please give me the strength to decide to forgive And then to follow through on that act with these promises. Now, I got these promises from Ken Sandy's book, The Peacemaker. It's a wonderful book. These are the promises. To know, analyze whether you have really forgiven somebody. I will not think about this incident. Wow. To get to that point of whatever you have said you've forgiven somebody for, where you say, I won't think about it. Number two, I will not bring up this incident again and use it against you. You know know what that's like. Maybe you use that against someone else. You put it on the side burner, but then an argument comes up and you say, well, what about... You know how easy that is, and you know how hurtful it is when it's done against you. Number three, I will not talk to others about this incident. You know, sometimes we just kind of leave that person alone, but we talk to others. That's not real biblical forgiveness. Or I will not allow, number four, I will not allow this incident to stand between us, or hinder our personal relationship. Now those are the real tests of whether we have forgiven another. But I will tell you sometimes usually it's a process. And we forgive and then we may need to forgive in a deeper way and then a deep deeper way until we can answer those questions. Honestly, there is a danger because sometimes what our tendency to do is just to move on. To leave that person and that incident behind and not really forgive and not really deal with it, but just to say, okay, well, I'll just, you know, live my life over here. And that's not the biblical way to deal with it either. It's not sufficient. As I was working on this message all week, I thought back through my ministry. I thought of some very grace-filled people who have forgiven me through the years for things I had asked forgiveness for. I thought of a, a few others that had asked me for forgiveness for something they had done, and I had forgiven them and been reconciled with them. But I have to admit, I also thought of, as I was thinking back, because those are such pleasant things to think on. I thought of one particular one. And as I, as I thought of that situation, of someone that I had verbally forgiven and as far as they're concerned, I, I forgave them. And I got this queasy feeling in my stomach. <laughs> and I thought, what in the world, Lord, is that? This was a, a situation in a previous church, and it was one of those things that was serious enough to where I, I kept a file for my own protection you know, of correspondence. And I had the file in my file cabinet, and I didn't have, even have the person's name on it. I just had initials there. But you know what? Every time I saw those initials, I, I, I thought back to what had taken place back then. And as I thought of it this week, I was convicted to get rid of the file. I don't need that. What in the world does that mean in this kingdom where we are to be characterized by showing mercy and forgiveness to one another? Why would I need that? And so it's gone. It may be a process for you a process that we don't have within ourselves just to will ourselves to be forgiving and merciful. We absolutely need His grace to do that. But He is the one who is able, who has the grace and strength to indwell us and enable us to be people of mercy, Because the good news is that Jesus, who was the most merciful one ever to walk this earth, went to the cross. And he didn't receive mercy from man or from God, he did not receive it so that we could receive mercy. And that's the gospel. That's the good news. And so in receiving mercy and forgiveness, what else can we do but to respond in gratitude by being merciful and forgiving of others? Let's bow together. It is not within us in our own strength to be merciful and forgiving But, Lord, thank you that if we are in Christ, he is within us, and so we are able. Will you enable us to respond rightly, not out of our will, but out of a sense of the great mercy and forgiveness that we have received, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.